welcome to Escape Artists. I'm your host, fiction author and creative entrepreneur Marisha Pink, and this is episode three. I really, really hope that you're enjoying the series so far because I'm having such a ball making it. I've had the opportunity to meet some fantastically talented people, and I hope too that the tips they're providing are proving useful if you too are thinking about making your own escape. Don't forget that you can always head on over to the website, marishapink.com, and leave me a message. Or if you know someone who you think would make a fantastic guest for Escape Artists, be sure to let them know to get in touch. Today's guest is really, really interesting. And somebody who's very, very close to my heart because her story is so similar to mine that it's uncanny. Emma Bamford first cut her teeth on London's Fleet Street as a journalist, beginning with regional newspapers and latterly working for the Daily Express, the Independent and finally the Eye newspaper. But about four years ago, somewhat disillusioned with life, Emma decided to pack it all in. Instead, she answered an advert on the internet for Crew Wanted and she bought a one-way ticket to Borneo and landed in the high seas, living on a boat with a complete stranger and his cat. She sailed all around Southeast Asia, which I know from personal experience is absolutely beautiful. And then she went to work on a super yacht in Italy. And all of her sailing adventures formed the basis of her memoir, Casting Off, which was, very excitingly, published by an imprint of Bloomsbury at the start of this month. Now, Emma's story is very different to mine because Emma went down the route of traditional publishing. And Emma, as I said, has Bloomsbury as her publisher. But Emma's story is even more inspiring for budding writers because Emma is unagented and approached the publishers directly, something which is almost unheard of in today's publishing world. I'll let her tell you all about it herself, but needless to say, we can all learn a thing or two from Emma Bamford. Here's the interview. Welcome to Escape Artists, Emma. It's lovely to have you on the show. We are live in my living room because Emma's very kindly come down from Derby to, uh, to complete the interview today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? It's a very exciting time for you. It is, because my new book is out. Here it is. Real paper and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, your debut novel, Casting Off, uh, has just come out, which yep. is extraordinarily exciting, and I can see how excited you are holding it in your hands. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you were doing before that? Because it's got a very interesting story behind it. Yes, it has. So, I was a, I was a journalist for um, basically my whole working career after university and I um, got sick of it after I've been doing it for a long time, tired of the long hours. Um, Also I was getting to an age when uh, a lot of my friends were getting married and and starting to have children and that wasn't happening for me and I felt a little bit frustrated. So um, I was around at a friend's house um, one day and um, she announced that she was pregnant and I was like, oh no, there's another one. Um, and she turned around and she said, you're being silly, you know, you've got freedom, you can do anything that you want to do. And that really struck a chord with me and I thought, right, well, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, and I was falling in love with sailing, so I decided to um, go off sailing around the world. Didn't really know how I was going to do that. Um, <laughs> but I found um, a website where you could... where uh, captains put up adverts for crew and I went on there and next thing I knew I'd quit my job uh, and I bought a one-way ticket to Borneo and went and lived with a stranger on his boat. <laughs> um, did that for a few months, travelled, went to some amazing places, um, went all the way through Southeast Asia, all the way up to Amman um, and then I got the job working on a super yacht in Italy 
And when I got back, I thought, well, I've wanted to be a writer for a long time. Um, and I've tried writing books before and, and nothing really come of it. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I give this a go? Why don't I write about these adventures that I've had? And I did. And this is the result. So that's pretty drastic. I mean, you know, you were technically writing mm. for your for your profession and mm -hmm. it's obviously something that you really enjoyed. But moving over into writing books, is that, I mean, how have you found that? Is it quite different? It's very different because being a journalist, it's an office job, it's a day job. You're there, you're paid to do X, Y, Z, which in my case, as a news editor, was to decide what news stories were going to go in the next day's newspaper, how we were going to cover them, um, to manage the reporters and when the words came in from the reporters, um, to edit the copy and make sure everything was working and get it all done on time, because obviously the newspaper, it, it's got to be done to deadline. Um, being an author, it's completely different, it's completely free, it's all up to me, particularly when I started on this, I didn't know if anyone was, if it was going to be published or not, um, I always said if I can't get a traditional publishing house interested, I'll self-publish because I've already done the work, frankly. So, <laughs> so you know, why not do that? Um, so I've had to learn self-motivation and I guess being a bit more of a self-starter. Um, my history of, of working journalism has obviously helped, um, not only with contacts for publicity and things, but just knowing how to write and having a bit of an understanding as writing as being um, a business and an industry rather than than you know, just an art form. It, it is an art form, but it's, it's those two things together and you have to find a balance between those. Okay, so did you, I mean, when you went off on this epic sailing adventure, mm. it sounds like you weren't planning on writing a book while you were away. How did you, how did you decide that's really, you know, this is what I'm going to do as my first kind of real full publication yeah I wasn't sure um a couple of colleagues um at the independent said to me oh you know you could write a book about this before I went and someone put me in touch with an agent who was looking to um to build a list of clients and um I emailed him and said look I've done this thing I've answered an advert on the internet I'm off going to live on a boat with a stranger and his cat and he must rang have, must have the cat. <laughs> Don't forget the cat. and he rang me immediately this guy and we talked it through and he said, he said, keep in touch. Sounds like it could maybe be like Castaway, which was a, a book written in the 1980s by Lucy Irvin. She um, answered a small ad um, and went to live on a, a desert island um, just off the coast between Australia and Papua New Guinea. Okay. Um, with this man, just the two of them for a year and they had to be self-sufficient. And it became a very successful book and a movie as well. Um, so he said, keep in touch. And off I went travelling and then I just forgot about it because I thought I want to leave work behind me, I want time for me, I just want to live and enjoy life and see the things that I'm seeing. But after about 18 months I, I kind of felt that itch to get back into some kind of creative work because I was working but I was working as a deckhand and a hostess on a boat which is very um, <laughs> physical work but not really using your brain so much and definitely not being creative. Um, so I just emailed the agent again and said, oh, you know, this is what I've been up to. And he said, yeah, sounds interesting. You know, if you ever write anything, send it to me. And, and after about 18 months, I was ready to start writing again. I'd written um, creative stuff when I was younger. I'd written a novel 
I'd even um, sent it to agents to query. And this is back in the day when you didn't submit by email. You printed it off the first three <laughs> chapters and you put it in a big envelope with a covering letter. And then you had to include a self-addressed stamped envelope so they could return it if they weren't interested. And you come home from work and open the front door and you see this big letter with your own handwriting and you just know that you've been rejected. <laughs> so, they, yeah, didn't get very far with that one. And then work just took over and I was working crazy hours and I didn't have, I call it the headspace to write. My, my brain was just too tired. But taking that 18 months travelling, I got that kind of creative energy back and then I was able to just just start so I just I kept a diary when I was away and I just sat down one day opened the diary and started going and I think that that headspace thing is what's quite important to a lot of people I know that some of my other guests have kind of continued on with working in their their traditional job and started pursuing their art form on the side and they've kind of kept going till they get that to that point where it's just it's, there's not enough headspace you can't you need more time more more brain power to devote to what yeah. you're doing so I think I think that's quite interesting that you've you know you've gone from an environment where you're writing but with it in a very different sense mm. taken this huge break from writing and then and then kind of come back to it but but in a different way um tell us a little bit about casting off what's what's kind of some of the the key themes in it is it is it literally a you know a, a, a transcript I guess of your of your time have you have you drawn out certain themes? To begin with, it was just a transcript of my time, which is probably why the publisher rejected it first time. <laughs> okay, they said to me it's a bit, and then you did this, and then you did that, and I and I thought oh well yeah because I was just copying out my diaries basically and <laughs> throwing some jokes in. Um, so I she she said you need some themes. The the main theme is about letting go. It's about thinking, and yeah, this is a travel story, um, but I changed as a person when I went, um, and I think really the, the theme right at the bottom is, is thinking, well, what is, am I happy with my life? If I'm not, why, what am I not happy with? What's making me unhappy? And how can I change that to, to make myself happier? Um, so that's the biggest theme in it. It's a bit of a love story as well. Well, everybody loves a good love story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a happy ending. I hope so. I love. I'm a Disney fanatic. I love, I love happy endings. <laughs> There's no princesses and no oh, Mickey Mouse either. Oh, that's, that's disappointing. I'll write it into the next one. <laughs> um, you mentioned being rejected by the publisher first time. Yeah. Now you've actually got quite an interesting situation. So most of the time you need to approach publishers um, via an agent and, yeah. and getting an agent in the first instance can be quite tricky. Yeah. You've managed to approach a publisher and get them to publish your first piece of work. Yeah. How, how on earth did you do that? It's the holy grail of writing. Part, a lot of it is luck, but it was also um, having an idea of, of how, to, how to do it. So, like I said, when I wrote that first novel, I was querying agents. Um, I was um, a member of the Women Writers Network in London, and they got agents in to talk sometimes, and I went ready with my pitch. Still got rejected. Um, But I don't regret writing that book and that rejection process, because that was the first time I'd written something to the length of 80,000 words. And in a way, that was just a 
um, a test, you know, could I go from writing 500 word articles for a newspaper or a magazine to writing 80,000 words of fiction? So it was, it was like a rehearsal, like anything you do, you need practice. Um, this time was different. Um, through my sailing, uh, I did something called the Clip Around the World Yacht Race. And the guy who was the captain of the boat that won that, he wrote a book called Team Spirit, um, which was um, talking about the race, but giving um, management techniques for business people. Um, and he's a friend of a friend on Facebook. And I saw that she was going to his launch. So I'd come back from my travels and I was camped out at my parents' house while they were away for traveling themselves for a few months. Um, and I was getting, I was about two-thirds of the way through my manuscript at this point and I thought you know I'd like to see if, if there's any, any appetite for it so um I saw he was having a launch party so I, I kind of got myself invited through this <laughs> other girl but I knew him and you know he was happy to have me along and uh, got on the train went down to London and um, as you know, because you've had one as a launch party, there's a bit of wine flowing. There's <laughs> always quite a lot of wine flowing. <laughs> so Brendan's um, editor, Liz, gave a little speech and I kind of clocked her and I was like, right, OK, that's the editor. And I uh, got a bit of Dutch courage on the wine <laughs> and just went, just went up to her, stuck my hand out. Hi, Liz. My name's Emma. Um, I'm a journalist. Uh, I used to work for The Independent. That always helps. Ears prick up. Um, and, and then I just started going on about Borneo cats, adverts <laughs> on the internet, Italy, super yacht, deck hand, and she was interested. And she not, but at this point she's obviously not read anything. She doesn't know if I'm any good as a writer. I've got that independent word that I can flash around and um, milk it for everything it's worth if you've got any kind of <laughs> thing like that, I'd say. Um, and she very kindly gave me her business card. So, and she said, send me two chapters that are quite different. So I did. I sent her chapter one, which kind of sets the scenes for my travels. And I sent her um, the most recent chapter that I'd written, um, which was very serious and chapter because we had quite a frightening ordeal to do with Somalian pirates. Okay. Um, so very different tones to those two chapters. Um, and I sent it to her and she read it and she got back to me and she said, I really like it. Send me everything you've got. And that was brilliant. It was extra brilliant because I sent exactly the same material to that agent that I'd had those couple of conversations with. Um, she's a woman, similar age to me, a bit younger. He's a man, a bit older. He read them, he emailed me, and it wasn't just the standard, you know, I'm sorry, um, you know, it's not one for me, but best of luck for the future. It was, um, this is terrible. I feel really sorry for the, the man, the captain that you went to join on the boat. You will never get a publisher interested in this. No good luck messages. It was really, wow. it, was, it was a very personal response. And I was upset by it, um, but I'd already had a publisher saying that she was interested. And I, if I look back, I think if I'd only sent it to him and not to her and I'd had that horrible a rejection, I'm not sure I would have continued, but as luck had it. So, yep, she's, I sent her everything that I had and it took her a very, it took her months, maybe eight months to come back to me. Um, and when she did, she said, sorry for the delay. And she said, I like your writing style, but it's not working at the moment. Um, it's a bit, and then, and then, and then. There's no narrative arc. There's no themes, like I mentioned before. Um, but she did very kindly say, if you want to rework it, I will look at it again. So 
don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, I printed it off. I went through it with my pencil, scratched <laughs> out entire things, put in a lot more emotion, thought, approached it as, because it's a memoir, but approached it as the idea of a story as well. It's got to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Redid it, sent it to her again. It took her ages to get back to me. Um, but once she did get back to me, she said, don't know how you've done it, but it's completely changed. Like it. I'm going to pitch it to sales and marketing conference. So you've probably heard this before, but in traditional publishers, they say now it's the sales and, and, and marketing department that have all the power. So all the editors um, have projects, books that have been pitched to them that they like. And then they in turn have to go to this board, literally a roundtable board meeting, and they have to pitch it. Sounds a bit scary. Mm. <laughs> and it all depends on if the whole team agrees that they want to go ahead with it. So it had to go through two meetings like that. Um, and then I just got an email one day. I was at work and I just got an email saying, yeah, you know, we'd like to offer you a contract. Um, if you'd like to go ahead, can you sign it and return it to us? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have an agent. Um, it's my publisher's Bloomsbury, but they have an imprint called Adlard Coles Nautical, which um, publishes books to do with sailing. A lot of those are textbooks or manuals but they have something called bunkside reading and um, so I think it's helped because I've gone into a small imprint that's part of a bigger publisher it means a very small a smaller advance and um, smaller marketing budgets smaller print runs but you know we all have to start somewhere and I'm not exactly going to turn around and say oh no you know, <laughs> I want I want JK Rowling's editor and I think I want, everybody would love to have uh, big name editors and, and big name people, but still, nonetheless, quite a journey to bring casting off, yeah. you know, to to fruition. But so, you know, such a good lesson, I think, in saying don't give up, and you know, yeah, it's very subjective writing. So, what one uh, agent exactly didn't enjoy? <laughs> yeah, and I think the natural readership of casting off is probably a woman and probably a younger woman sort of 20 to 40 so it's it's not necessarily going to appeal to a man he's, he's going to be a bit like oh god it's you know it's another woman another Bridget Jones type <laughs> woman harping on about this and that there's perhaps a lesson there for, for people who are thinking about approaching agents and or, or publishers yeah. in really knowing who it is you're approaching and knowing that what you're pitching them is something that they are interested in and, and represents yeah. what's on their list, but that they'll actually understand your book because yeah. books aren't written for everybody. No. You know, they, they very much have a, an audience. Mm. Do you think you have to have an interest in sailing to enjoy your book? No, there's not much sailing in it, actually. Um, <laughs> After all of that, <laughs> travelling around the world. Yeah, um, it was difficult when I was writing it because I didn't know, and particularly when I went back and edited it, I knew that it would be for a sailing imprint, but I didn't know whether they would want to pitch it as a sailing book or as a, a more kind of travelling, sort of eat, pray, love type book. So I found it difficult to think, where should I pitch that? Um, I gave um, an early copy of the manuscript, manuscript to a friend who doesn't sail, and she was very much like, what's this word, what's this word, what's this word? So I have explained them for non-sailing um, readers, but I think sailors are particularly... Um, cruising sailors who are people that live on their boats full-time and travel um, around the world or around the UK I think they'd be interested in it so I have to leave a little bit of that technical detail in there for them to satisfy okay. that audience too. Okay so 
you've got your magical email that says we want to give you mm-hmm. um, you know, a publishing contract. Mm-hmm. Do you want to walk me through how you've kind of gone from that stage to, to having finished book in your hands? Yeah. So then nothing happened for six months. And then Liz, my editor, um, sent me back the manuscript and she'd gone through it and she'd put in, um, so it's a Word document, and she'd put in um, little uh, comment bubbles. I want to know more about this. I don't understand this. This is boring. Can you remove this chapter? Can you move this around? Really, really detailed stuff. She must have spent a really long time doing it. Um, So I went through. I didn't take everything on board that she said, but also I thought, okay, she's an experienced editor who works in the publishing industry. She knows more about this stuff than I do. Um, I wasn't precious about my manuscript in any way. Um, I think coming from a journalistic background and being a, a... a newspaper um, copy editor myself helped with that. I wasn't like, oh, this is my baby, my work of art. Um, so I made the, made all the changes. It took me a long time. So by this point, it's been through um, a first draft that I've done myself with um, some kind of self-editing. Uh, the big comprehensive rewrite when she asked me to repitch. Um, another draft when she sent these marks. Then it went to um, an experienced um, editor who came back again. And honestly, the details she went into, she was, I went to a place in the Andaman Islands and there's a town called um, Port Blair and there's a market called Aberdeen, uh, like a small town with a big market with all the shops called Aberdeen. And she'd even gone and Googled it and said, well, is it not called Aberdeen Bazaar? And I was like, oh, I don't know. We called it Aberdeen when we were there. So then I'm going on Google. I'm looking on Google Maps to see what it's called. Really, really detailed stuff. And she would spot things like almost like continuity errors. So she went through that. So then I had to go through her comments and change things from that. And she also picked up typos. So more changes. Then it went to not a full legal read, but it had because it's a memoir and it we're talking about real people and um, you've got to change names and, and things to protect people's identity because they don't necessarily want to be in, in the public eye. It's not their book. They've not chosen to do that. So then it had to go through another level. And um, then I was sent proofs, which is um, it looks like like the layout there. So it's in the same um, font. OK, but it's printed out on a piece of A4 paper. So it's a big stack. So I had to go through it again at that stage. So I've lost count now of, yeah. <laughs> of where we are. <laughs> so from my original manuscript was probably 150,000 words. Um, and I think the finished product products is probably about 90. So I had to, a lot, a lot of cutting. Yeah. Right the last minute, an entire chapter went as well. Because they felt it didn't really, it didn't really add anything and it maybe slowed things down. Um, and another chapter I'd already been asked if I wanted to remove it, I'd moved it to a different slot, but they said I still didn't think it was working. So strange to think you can remove an entire chapter, but it but it, it seems to work. So I mean, for you, that's a whole chapter of your life, excuse the pun, and, and a, you know, yeah. a set of experiences that, that really happened. Mm. And I guess you want to be as true to that experience as you can while being mindful of what makes a good story. Yeah, it is, it is tricky because you think, oh, yeah, but that happened and... That then went to influence this, that and the other. But the reader wasn't there and the reader doesn't know every cough and spit and they'd be really <laughs> bored if, if they did know every cough and spit. Um, so, yeah, actually, as long as it doesn't affect the story, you, 
like they say, if in doubt, take it out. And I've learned that that is really true. That and kill your darlings, because I've, I've written all this thing about um, tropical fruits and dragon fruit and rambutans and stuff, and I've gone off on this big extended metaphor. And friends who were reading the manuscript were like, what on earth is this? Just get rid of it. I think, I mean, I think some of that is also the experience of travelling. So, you know, I, I've been to Southeast Asia and I remember my experiences with the dragon fruit and the rambutan. And, and if you you know, you'll connect with certain readers for certain different things, yeah. I guess, in trying to make your book appeal to the widest audience possible, mm. you kind of have to strip some of those things out. But I mean, you know, it's not it's not an exact science, I guess. No. Um, yeah, it's all, all really subjective. Which is which is the, the beauty of the whole thing. Yeah. Um and, and sometimes the frustration as well. Mm. So book's all done and yeah. you still we're still kind of, you know, making last minute changes right up to the wire, which I guess is probably quite surprising for people because you assume that these publishing houses are all very polished and mm. all very organised and everything's kind of done weeks and months in advance. Um, coming on to the kind of marketing side of that then, how, yeah. how involved or, or not have you been in that process? Um, well, I knew that from doing research, reading books about writing and marketing, I read this really good book called uh, So You Want to Be a Writer We've Heard Of, um, which I recommend to anybody, whether they're self-published author or going down the traditional publishing route to read. It's really good, really good tips. Um, that you need a Twitter presence, you need a Facebook page, you need a website. Your publisher will not provide a website for you. They won't pay for it either. You have to, you know, put your hand in your pocket. Most of my advance has gone on websites, on buying the drinks for my launch party. <laughs> I've had to buy those myself. On petrol money, driving here on here and there to do things. On um, toner cartridges for my printer for printing out all different, you know, yeah. um, versions of the different uh, drafts of the manuscript. Um, I'm very lucky in that Bloomsbury has chosen me as what they call a highlight title. So even though it's the Adlard Coles nautical sailing imprint, they're giving it a bit of an extra push. So I got an email once from Liz saying, um, brilliant news, they're going to give your book extra publicity. Um, we're going to have the team that usually works on Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. Okay. <laughs> like, mm, <laughs> Am I going on Saturday Kitchen? Brilliant. Um, but what it means is that I'm very lucky that I've got a publicist in-house in Bloomsbury to help me. So there's a marketing team and they've sent me some um, some leaflets and they've done a show card, which is like a big A2 piece of thick card with basically the front cover um, blown up and stuck on it. And one of those is at the moment in the windows of Waterstones in Nottingham. Very exciting. Mm. Um, but publicity-wise, I've got um, a lovely girl called Sophie and um, she's done a press release and she's um, in contact with a whole host of magazines, newspapers, she's trying to get me on the radio. Um, then the rights department within Bloomsbury as well have been selling various rights, so they've sold the, they haven't sold the audio rights, they actually retain the audio rights themselves. Um, so an audio book okay. is being made by Audible. Um, and then they sold an extract of the third part to um, the Daily Mail. Um, I've signed a contract. So basically they are given the book and they can just edit edit it down. Okay. Um, 
and then run it in the in the paper. Um, I'm really hoping that it comes off. With new, and I know from newspapers that you know um, things are never set in stone. Anything could happen on the day, and it could be thrown out. But that would be really good. Um, and yeah, and I'm but I'm plugging away at things myself as well. Um, and I'll continue to to um, try to contact magazines and newspapers with ideas. Maybe if there's something topical in the news that kind of loosely relates to what I did, then I keep an eye on that, get in touch and say, you know, would you like me to write a piece for you? Even do it for free if you get a plug for your book yeah. at the end. Um, obviously, it's nice to get paid for it as well. <laughs> I just have to see, play that by ear and see. So, I mean. Out. That's, I mean, it's one of the biggest things facing a lot of writers, particularly the self-published ones, because they're all handling their own publicity. And it sounds like you're doing a huge amount for yourself. And yeah. like, that's a, a often a misconception that if you get a publisher, they'll do all the marketing for you. You've got, I guess, millions of connections from your time working on the other side of the fence. Yeah. What would you... What advice would you give to people in terms of trying to find those opportunities, looking for, for stories or, or being aware of when editors or, or journalists are looking for stories? Where, where would you look for them? Don't just um, write a press release about your book and put it in a jiffy bag with a copy of your book and send it into a newspaper because that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, when I worked in the features department, they have a stack like this. There's an entire quadruple cupboard filled with books and most of them are not going to appear in the newspaper. So you have to think creatively. Um, National Geographic Traveller magazine, for example, has um, a page um, called Notes for an Author, where an author can um, write a one-page essay, and it's about a place that they've been to. Now, you don't have to have written a travel book to appear in there. You just yeah. have to write about a place maybe you went somewhere uh, if you're writing a novel maybe you went somewhere to research it and you can just tell like a mini story and your book gets mentioned in it and um, grazia every um edition has something called um trends and real life where you can tell something you don't have to be telling the story of your book you're just trying to get yourself noticed so keep an eye on the news keep an eye on um if, if you're a woman, women's magazines, or if your book is set in a particular thing, maybe you're writing about model aircraft. Well, I'm sure model aircraft magazines and websites are tired of getting the same old stuff features in all the time. So write them something a bit more fun and, and send it to them and they'll probably, you know, bite your hand off and take it. So it's about thinking a little bit creatively. I mean, you, if you're a creative person, that should come reasonably naturally to you but don't be afraid and if people if they don't take it they don't take it you've, you've already come up with the pitch idea so you just take that pitch idea and so maybe tweak it a bit and then pitch it to somebody else instead okay you heard it here first this is how you <laughs> this is how you get your story uh into into the press okay um, so you mentioned um you know one of the motivations for kind of going on this escape and and transitioning into writing was was getting away from some of the mundane aspects of, of sitting at a desk all day long yeah how do you spend your days now what does a, a typical day look like for you sitting at a desk all day long. <laughs> <laughs> great escape yeah um i um have to work because i can't support myself just through um being an author so i took the decision to work um three days a week 
and in um, a slightly different industry. So I'm not working for national newspapers anymore. I have one of those nine to five jobs, <gasps> which I've never had in my entire <laughs> life. And I don't have to work weekends either. So I work three days a week, um, but my um, my company allows me to move the days around. I'm not rigid. So if there's someone, an author that I want to go and meet or something, I can do that. Um, I've done the thing that um, Stephen King in On Writing, his memoir about how he um, got to be a successful writer, he says, don't buy a fancy desk, don't put it by a window. He's like, buy, you know, just have a crappy desk against the wall so you don't get distracted and sit down and write. But I did the thing of moving to the countryside, renting a barn conversion, buying this beautiful glass desk, putting it in the window. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it is very nice. <laughs> Not much writing gets done, is it? So. Um, so a typical writing day for me is uh, kind of get up, um, get all the emails and things out of the way and then switch that off so I'm not distracted. I often leave my phone in another room as well because it's just too easy to just get off into Facebook. Or... Yeah, social media and instant messaging are completely detrimental to yeah. writing. Yeah. Um, when, I, um, when I do sit down to write, I tend to write for quite a long time. I just find that I get lost in the process, um, I guess, because I enjoy it so much. Um, and my word count can be quite high. Sometimes it, I find it slow to get going. Um, and the way that works for me is to go back and reread what I what I wrote um, the last time, maybe lightly edit it, change any spelling mistakes or change a bit of grammar kind of thing, make sentences flow a bit better. That puts me back in the story. Um, and then just go from there. I, I write very fast. I don't look back. I don't ponder about this sentence or that sentence because what the process of casting off has taught me is that it's going to go through so many drafts <laughs> anyway don't worry about it too much about perfecting it just get it down and get to the end um so I just write really quickly on a really 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 good day I could write 4,000 words um but generally it's probably about 1,500 to 2,000 words um and then I'll and then I'll just I'll just stop and I'll just put that away until the next time that I do the writing. And um, now I'm having to do um, make sure that I do a Facebook post every day, not to my mates, but you know, <laughs> on my um, real author Facebook, Facebook page. Yeah, um, and uh, tweets, and I'm kind of reading about marketing and and tips like um, embedding photos in your tweet, um, looking at your Facebook page, looking at the little insights and seeing. Um, if you can spot any trends of when the best time to post is and what kind of things people like. Because some of my Facebook posts reached 34 people. One of my Facebook posts reached over a 1,000 people. I only have, you know, a couple of hundred followers at the minute. So it's learning those techniques to get to get things out there. I spend a lot of time procrastinating, <laughs> cleaning things, doing the laundry, making soup. Anything that stops you from actually sitting down and getting on with it. Um, I find that um, late morning is the best time for me to write. Um, but I can do it at other times. I went, um, I did an evening uh, novel writing workshop course in Nottingham, which was eight Tuesday evenings in a row. And it was led by um, an author called Nikki Valentine. And she also writes under the name Nicola Monaghan. And it, and it was brilliant, but she would say things like she would set us an exercise and we'd just have 15 minutes and this would be not not laptop, but 
I'd have my notepad and my pen. Good old pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, and I would find that if she said, you've got 15 minutes, go, I could I could still get in there and do it. And that course was, was good because it taught me a lot, but it introduced me to people who are local writers, wannabe writers, and that's really good because we're able to submit an example of our work and then everyone reads it, critiques it in their own time, and then we discuss it in a group afterwards. And that's really that's really good. Everyone's No one says anything horrible. It's probably quite good when you're starting out or you're you're transitioning into a different form of writing because it can feel sometimes like, you know, especially when you're working on something by yourself and no one's seen it, it's quite scary when you first open that up to any kind of audience. Yeah. Um, And having construct doesn't have to be good per se, but having constructive feedback really helps you to develop your craft, I think. Definitely. I think a support network is really important, especially because writing is a really lonely pursuit. You're you have to do it on your own. Even if you choose to go somewhere like a cafe, um, you're still there on your own because you, you just have to concentrate. Um, so, yeah, networking is really important. I'm very lucky in the East Midlands, there's something called the um, Writing East Midlands. It's a writer development agency. There's quite a few of them around the country. Um, so people should look up and see if there's one in their area. And they run things like they run a mentoring scheme. So I applied for that. I had to send in an example of my writing. I got shortlisted. I didn't get chosen in the end, unfortunately, um, but the guy who did short story writer, Dan Powell, um, he, be, he will be matched with um, a writer in his um, area, and that person will um, read up to, I think it's 80,000 of his words, and they'll have um, a monthly meeting. Okay. So it's like having, almost like having an agent, someone that's going through, someone who knows and understands the industry. So that's a free thing that Writing East Midlands does, um, I think it's two or three times a year, someone gets this mentoring. Um, and they, they also help promote um, writers and writers' work. And there's lots of different um, websites and things that you can follow. Um, Ms. Lexia, if you're a female writer, they run short story, novel and memoir competitions every year. Um, there's lots of, um, for example, Travel websites often run competitions. You're not necessarily going to win big money, but you can get some of your bit of your work out there. Exposure, help. isn't it? Yeah, and is bringing your work to, to wider audiences. Yeah, but the support network. I went to a, a writing writers conference and and it was a really interesting thing to go to, and I think a really valuable thing, even if you're a, a writer who's starting out, because you're getting tips, listening to lectures from um, from published authors. But you also feel like you're part of this community and people will say things and, you know, it will really gel with you. And I highly recommend you get out and meet as many writers as you can. Use a hashtag AmWriting and other writers will follow you and you'll pick up lots of tips that way as well. I have to say, I think that's one of the things that I have really taken on board this year as I've been going because I, I lived in a bubble <laughs> while I was doing my first book. And... I went to the London Book Fair for the first time this year and I came away from it absolutely buzzing. So I think that's really, really important. And I think whatever you're doing across the creative spectrum, it's it can be very isolating, especially when you're starting out, when yeah. you don't have to or can't afford to work with a, with a team. So really for keeping your morale up <laughs> and keeping mm. you going um, is really important. What would you say is the worst thing about doing what you do? Is the financial insecurity aspect of it, um, because um, you, it's not a nine to five job, and you don't know whether you're going to make it or not. 
and also making it means different things to different people you know and um, nobody out there is going to be another jk rowling the publishing industry has changed dramatically no one's going to be making money like that and i'd also i don't think you should go into the industry with an expectation that you will make money out of it um things have changed a lot advances are very small now um so it's not like you can you can pitch two chapters and then you'll get a hundred thousand pound advance and then you can just at your leisure sit at home writing this book having a lovely time it doesn't work that way the reality is you've got to write it in your own time you've got to fund yourself and um, there are funding streams out there there are grants uh, the arts council um gives grants to people there are you know kickstarter projects that you can do there are all different ways of of trying to get some income but basically the reality is you just got to find every spare minute that you have and and just do it and learn from it and if it doesn't work change it or do it again use that as your practice um and find a job that doesn't a day job that will will put a roof over your head pay your bills but isn't all-encompassing because you, it's really important that you have time and you have head, headspace to do your creative work on the side if that's what you want to do. It's about juggling and balancing really yeah. until you get to that point where you can really do it and, and own it and, and not have to <laughs> and rely on your writing I guess mm. as, a, as a source of income which which does happen and that's one of the things I learned I think as I said from the from the book fair. Yeah. Um, there were authors who are you know even in this ever-changing time of publishing making a living from their writing yeah. but it is um something else i read a marathon not a sprint so we shouldn't expect it to happen yeah. overnight what's the best thing about what you do um just getting lost in it i can if i sit down and write it's just like being taken to an to another place i'm like a weird hippie now um <laughs> I love reading and when I read a fiction book I'm, I am there and I'm in it and writing once you get going and your subconscious mind takes over um, it, it's the same it's like it's almost like you're living the story or you know when you watch a movie and you get really involved and, and something scary happens and you jump <laughs> out just because you're there that's what it's like it's not to me, it's not laborious. It is at points when it's like, oh, I can't, you know, the self-doubt creeps in and you kind of give yourself a bit of writer's block. And then the editing process is a lot more analytical and a bit more workmanlike. But it's just really fun. No, reg no regrets then? Definitely no regrets. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it has it has been fun. It's been hard work. Um, I've learned a lot, um, but, but definitely no regrets. That's always reassuring to hear, I think, for anybody who's considering making an escape. So, Casting Off is out now. Um, where can people find it? Uh, it's on Amazon. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it is uh, in bookshops. Pop into your local Waterstones. Go into your local independent bookshop as well. I've been working um, quite hard to try and, uh, and get independent bookshops to take it because I think it's really important to support them. Um, or you can get it directly from me from my website. Excellent. And what are you going to be working on now? What can we expect from you in the next 12 months? Well, I'm about to start an MA in creative writing, which some people say, why do you need to do that? You've written a book. I think you can always improve and I think you can always learn a lot. 
from other writers and again it's about support network and meeting people in the industry um, so I'm working on a novel which I describe as a cross between the beach Lord of the Flies and that TV show Shipwrecked which I'm intrigued already <laughs> is uh, prick up it's about a couple that um, leave London uh, they escape basically um, and they, they buy a yacht and they go to this um, island that they've heard about, which is just, you know, absolutely stunning and this amazing place to live. And then they go there and uh, it's about, you know, what happens to them after that. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on Escape Artists when the next one is out. <laughs> um, where can people find you online then? It's the best way to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I have a website, which is www.emmabamford.com. I'm on Twitter under Emma V. Bamford, and I'm on Facebook, Emma Bamford Writes. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having it's me. It's been an absolute pleasure and very insightful for me, especially to get on the other side of, you know, the the process for publishing um, from a from a perspective of having gone through a traditional publisher. This was the fourth episode of Escape Artists. Um, I was joined by the lovely Emma Bamford. You can find Escape Artists online. Uh, it's done as a podcast and as a video show. Broadcast from my website, mauritiapink.com, or on YouTube and available on iTunes. Next time I will be joined by artist and illustrator Hannah Arzen, who is based out in Berlin. And make sure you sign up to the newsletter at mauritiapink.com to make sure you get notified when the next episode is available. Until then, happy escaping. Oh, 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 oh,